0: Thank you very much, Bertie. It's lovely to be with you this evening and to be able to share uh, God's word with you. And especially at this time of anniversary, whenever you're remembering the good things that God has done over the years and they have gone so quickly. I know that a number of folk here uh, who were there from the very beginning, but the vast majority, I don't know really well. And that's just what happens over time. But it is wonderful to look back And to see what God has done in people's lives and uh, many folk that we knew dearly who are now with the Lord and in heaven. And of course, it's always an investment in the kingdom of God. It's never wasted time serving the Lord. And uh, you have to decide in your life uh, what you're going to invest your life in. Uh, The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? And so you need to decide in your life, where am I going to invest? Because time comes to an abrupt end for us, and life is very impermanent. It's good to be with you, and I'm going to turn in uh, the Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, while you're looking that up, I want to also thank Bertie for the kind words. It's lovely uh, to renew fellowship with Bertie and Pat. Um, my uh, days with Bertie started way back about 32, three years ago um, in those prayer meetings I mentioned this morning. And I was very grateful, especially those formative years for me when he took me alongside and uh, took me to meetings and missions. And I learned so, so much about the things of God and about uh, the work of God. And I will always be indebted to him uh, for that. And uh, it's always wonderful to have someone you can draw from. So I'm grateful to the Lord for that blessing in my life. Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 16. I hope you've got it. And uh, we're going to read uh, from, verse, <clears throat> from verse 12. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 12. Then understood they how that he made, he bid them not beware of the leaven of, of bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, or the Anointed One, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Amen. And we know God will bless the reading of his infallible word. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hymns, for our friends singing, and for the thoughts that have been brought to bear on our minds at this time. We thank you, Lord, that you enable us to stand aside from life, to think about the bigger issues of life. And we thank you, Lord, for this place where we can hear God's word. And we can discover what God has to say. So please open all our hearts, Lord. I pray again that you would put a hedge, a wall of protection round about us by your presence and your holy angels. And I pray, Lord, that you would send the Holy Spirit in power into this gathering. Please open people's hearts, Lord. Please speak to them. And may they hear the voice of Jesus calling them to saving faith in him. I give myself to you, Lord. I pray that you would anoint me, cleanse me, and empower me by the Holy Spirit, and in all things that your great name would be lifted up and exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to draw your attention just to this verse uh, that the Lord Jesus spoke whenever he was with his disciples way back 2000 years ago now and jesus stood there with these disciples around him and he asked them an interesting question just as they were walking along in the sandy uh, shore and he said to them who do men say that i am what are people saying about me well it was very flattering because some of them said some say you're john the baptist that means that you've risen from the dead. John had died. But they said, we believe he's John the Baptist. Others said he's Elijah, the great prophet of fire that sent the fire down to earth and done wonderful miracles. Say that some think that you're, you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah because he was a a prophet that, that preached to the people and told them as it was. He told them the truth, and he wasn't popular for it, but he told the truth. And some say you're like him. They say that you're like Jeremiah. You're not afraid of the people. Then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? What do you think? What do you think? I simply want to ask that to you, just to widen out the question. I want you to imagine the Lord Jesus coming in alongside you, the Son of God, and sitting down beside you and saying, who do you say I am? What's your answer? maybe you have never been confronted with that question before. Maybe nobody in the journey of life has ever asked you that question, that you have to respond and say, who is Jesus Christ? I want to tell you that first of all, there is no doubt regarding his existence. Even those who do not like Jesus and did not like what he said, those who do not acknowledge him as the son of God, they recognize that he did literally exist. He was a man who did walk on the face of the earth in Jerusalem. He did exist. But who is he? Who is he? I want to suggest to you that there's only three answers that you can give to that question regarding this person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was born in a manger through the Virgin Mary in a place called Bethlehem, who was prophesied previously by prophets in the Old Testament that he literally would be born in Bethlehem. Do you think that you could have... any power over your own birth, over where you were born? Well, the prophets prophesied that he would be born and he'd be born in Bethlehem, and it did happen. Now, there are literally hundreds of prophecies, and what that simply means is that men who were moved upon by God Almighty in the Old Testament, they prophesied during their lives. They proclaimed, they wrote down what the Messiah would be like, where he would, bo- where he was born, what he would do, where he would die, he would rise from the dead. I mean, it was, it was, there was hundreds of them. And do you know the amazing thing? That they all came to pass every one of them. He literally lived. So what I want to ask you is, who do you say that he is? Well, I suggest there's three simple explanations. The first thing is that he was a deceived man. In fact, we could go further that maybe Jesus Christ was not only a deceived man, but he was mad. He was a madman. What makes you say, Alan, such an awful thing that the Lord Jesus was deceived or a madman? Because how many people have you ever met that said to you they were God? You ever met anybody who said to you he was God? God? He didn't hold back. I mean, he told it just wherever it came up. He didn't deny it. He said, I'm God. I'm the Son of God. God sent me from heaven. Perhaps he's mad after all, mad men do things. It's just we don't get to see an awful lot of them because now in our present culture, if somebody's very, very unwell in their mind, they go into an institution. We don't, we don't find out about what they're saying. But believe me, you can meet people and they do say unusual things because they are, they are mad or they're insane. Do you think he was an un- insane man? He not only said he was God, but I'll tell you more, my dear friends. He talked to the dead. A widow came past one day, and as she was going past with her son in the coffin, he spoke to the boy in the coffin. You ever see that? I've seen people sympathizing beside a coffin, but never talking into it. You ever see a man in a cemetery standing at an old, an old sepulcher and shouting into it and saying to the dead person, come on out. It's mad. He talked to trees, told them to die. This man. He spat on mud in his hand and rubbed it into a blind man's eyes. I mean, that, that's not what you call very normal behavior. Sure, it's not. None of that really adds up. You don't meet people doing that today, do you? You see, he was maybe mad. That's the first, that's the first answer you can give. He was a madman. The second thing is that he was a liar. He was just a liar. He told lies. Because he didn't hold back from what he claimed. He said, I was sent from heaven. He said, before Abraham existed, who had lived hundreds and hundreds of years before, thousands, he said, before Abraham existed, he said, I was was there. You ever meet anybody that said to you, I was in existence over 2,000 years ago? You see... That's the conclusion. You have to either say he's a madman or else he was just a blatant liar. But I want to consider the third one. Maybe he was telling the truth, maybe he was God. Hmm? Who do you say that I am? In your mind. God's reading your mind now. God knows what's in your mind. What's your response? I believe that he told the truth. And I'll tell you Why? I believe Jesus Christ told the truth for the simple reason that when he talked to the man at the sepulcher and he shouted, Lazarus, come forth, do you know what happened? Lazarus came forth. The man came out of the grave with the grave clothes on him, bound hand and foot, and they had to unravel, and he was alive. See, a madman can talk at a sepulcher and say what he likes, but he can't call the dead forth. But Jesus called the dead forth. It's only God can raise the dead. I believe that Jesus Christ told the honest truth because not only did he do that, but when he spoke to a tree, a fig tree, and told it to wither up and die, when the disciples came the next day, they said it was dead from the roots up and died. I believe Jesus Christ was God because when he took the mud and rubbed it into his hands with spittle and put it on the blind man, whenever the blind man opened his eyes, he could see, he gave him a sight back. There have been many, many important people around the world over the years who have decided that to prove the myth of this Christianity, to do away with this church stuff and this religion around the world, they they have decided we're going to go to the heart of this issue and we need to discredit this person, Jesus Christ, because he's the problem. And if we can discredit this death and this person, then, then we solve the problem. And so, so many of them... I think of an American recently, back in the last 10 to 15 years. He was an advocate, a lawyer, barrister, and his wife was a Christian, and he said, I've got to put an end to this. <laughs> this nonsense of a Jesus Christ. And so he took all the facts. And he placed them down and he just went through all the details about who he was, all the facts about him, drew it all together. And do you know what he said? He said, he's God. He's God. And he became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that, friends, the Lord Jesus Christ said he was god but not only that he did something very wonderful he went to an old cross outside jerusalem and what happened was the roman soldiers and the various potentates and leaders of israel at that time they took him and they they whipped him and stripped him and they mocked him and laughed at him and they took this person who who is god and they took him outside the walls, and whenever they took him, the Roman soldiers nailed him by the hands and by the feet to an old tree. And the one who had clothed the earth with water and with with uh, grass, who clothed all the creatures of the of the earth, he the Creator was stripped naked. And Jesus hung naked on the cross. Now, he's just not an ordinary man. He's God in the flesh. He's the creator on the cross. Why is the creator on the cross? Why did Jesus Christ endure what happened on that cross, not only when he was stripped naked and left to die, but the Bible says there was a darkness came over the whole earth for six hours, and three of those hours, God's judgment was poured out on his son. And during that period of darkness, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus the son was forsaken by God the father it had never happened they had eternally been in existence together but this was the first time Jesus was forsaken and he felt it and he cried out why have you forsaken me do you know the answer to that you you're the answer you're the reason why Jesus felt what he felt Because during that period when God the Father looked away from his Son, God took the hell and the judgment that you and I deserve for our sin, and God decided to take our judgment and put it on Jesus. The hymn writer put it lovely like this, All our sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them led them on him, and believing, I am free. You see, friends, the Lord Jesus not only died, but three days later, he rose again. And this man that died and rose outside Jerusalem later on with the disciples present, the Bible says the angels appeared before these disciples who were with him after he had taught them regarding the kingdom of God, and they saw him levitate. They saw Jesus lift off the ground and start to ascend up into heaven. And they were just gobsmacked. They just looked at him and watched him going. And the angel said to them, ye men of Galilee, why are you watching? This same Jesus that you're watching leaving Listen now, this same Jesus that you're watching going, he'll come back again. He will come back again. The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What about you? What do you think about him? Do you think he's the son of God? Do you believe he's God in the flesh? Do you believe that he has power over death? Do you believe that he can forgive sin? Do you believe that, that that there is a literal place that he talked about called heaven? And this is what he said to the disciples. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you onto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful, Jesus said that. He said, there's a place called heaven. It's wonderful to have that hope. When I was 17 years of age, I was really confronted through the preaching of the gospel, not far from here in a little village, Killy Man, a tent mission, and the late Reverend Sam Workman was preaching. And I sat there as a 17-year-old, and these truths, they settled in on me. And I had to make a decision as a 17-year-old, just sitting the way you're sitting, and I had to decide, is that true or is that that false? Because this man, Jesus, makes claims on my life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father but by me. He said, I am the way. There is no other way. He said, I'm exclusive. I'm the only way. And I had to decide, will I follow this man? Or will I do my own thing and forget this man? Will I do what I want to do with my life or will I yield to the claims of this man? Because this man, the Lord Jesus, calls all men everywhere to repent. Now repentance simply means that I stop the road that I'm on and I turn right around in the opposite direction and I'm prepared to reject whatever I think and accept what he says. Repentance is taking sides with God against yourself. Repentance is saying God is true and it doesn't matter what I say. I bow to him because he has all the keys and death is coming and ultimately he'll decide my fate. You see, John, his apostle, his friend, in Revelation, talked in chapter 20 of the latter part, and this is what he said. He said he met Jesus, this is in heaven. and He saw into the end times which were in, but he saw the very last, the judgment, all the earth, all the population of the earth, all brought before God. This is what he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And everyone was judged out of the books. Listen, my dear friend, there's a day of accountability for your life. Don't think you can live whatever way you like and get off with it. Don't think that, please. My wife goes to Tesco. I used to go when we got married. I think I'd done about four months. And after that, I got so bored with it. Never went back. So when you go shopping now, I just sit in the car and I might bake or fry or freeze, but I don't care. I just sit in the car. I don't want to go to Tesco. But Tesco's now have 24 hours. There's some of them in Belfast. You can go in for a week and not come out. That's true. And you can go in and you can fill the trolleys. You just take a trolley and you pull this and pull that and you just keep filling the trolleys and you set that on the side and get another one just keep filling and filling you can do that there's nobody that stop you Just, just pack up the trolleys toilet roll domestics fire lighters just keep them going you have a lorry at the door to pour it all into you can do that do what you like they give you the freedom But before you get out to your car or you get out to your lorry, there's a thing called checkout. You have to pay. And life's like that. Life's like that. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The proverb said, young man, live whatever way you like. Sow your wild oats. But remember, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. I remember being confronted by this person, Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful at 17, I decided that I would follow him. Just recently, I was in a church and I was preaching on the judgment and afterwards there was a lovely lady, we'll call her Mary, and Mary was Roman Catholic. And Mary came out of the meeting to the door and she says, she said, I have never felt like what I felt tonight. I just sense God I feel him near. I feel him with me. And she gave all, all all the indicators that she was a Christian. And I said to her, Mary, that's not her name. I said, Mary, have you ever actually received Jesus as your Savior? She said, no, I, I I don't know. I said, would you like to know that Jesus is your Savior? She said, I would love that. And again, as any preacher will know, it's a wonderful joy when a person wants to come to the Lord. The Holy Spirit was already so speaking, and Jesus had come and made himself so real to her. And that night, Mary simply repented of her sins. And she simply asked Jesus if he would forgive her and if he would come into her life and, and make her a new creation, that's maybe six months ago. And I was just speaking to a preacher the other day, and he just said to me, I was talking to that little lady, Mary. I said, well, very good. He said, she said to me, whatever happened in the room that night, I've never been the same. Jesus had come. Jesus had come into her life. Has Jesus come into your life? Is He your savior? You know, friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, in His word, leaves us with a choice. He says, "I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Is he knocking just the way he knocked at Mary's heart with you? Oh, you say, Alan, I have all my life in front of me. I, you know, I'm all ahead. I'm so young. I'll leave Jesus to another day. Mm. You heard about the young man who stood one day in the mirror or at the mirror And he was looking into it and he was combing his hair and cleaning and shaving and whatever, and suddenly the grim reaper appeared behind him. He said, I have come to take you. Oh, he said, don't take me. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Please don't take me. He said, I'm sorry I have come to take you. He says, Oh, if you would just, if you would just give me some more time. If you would just spare me and leave me for a while, and the grim reaper listened for a little while, and he said, yes, I'll leave you for a time. I will come, though. He said, will you give me some warning that you're coming? Oh, yes, he said, I'll give you some warning. Oh, that's okay. As long as you give me warning, as long as you give me warning, that's okay. And so the grim reaper left, and he lived his life. And he got married and had a family and grew up in his career and his business. But he didn't have a lot of time for God. And one day again in the mirror, many years later, he was shaving and the grim reaper appeared again. Oh, he was haunted and shocked and he said, no, not you. He said, no, this time I have come. And there's no reprieve. You are coming with me now. Oh, he said, but you promised me the last time you came, you promised that you would give me a warning. He said, what are those bags under your eye? What are those wrinkles on your face? What are those gray hairs at the side? He says, I have been warning you for such a long time that I've been coming. Death is coming. Death is coming. On the judgment day, hasten sinner, hasten sinner, seek the narrow way. My friend, as I close, what is your response now to this man? What is your response? Are you like Mary tonight? And you say, I sense God speaking to me. Time has flown by. I have given my life to other things. But, oh, God is speaking to me. And whatever it takes, I'll get right with God. I'll be repentant for my sin. I'll come to him. I'll give my life to him. Is that is that the cry of your heart tonight? Or could it be that you're indifferent? Or perhaps like the man at the mirror, you said in the future, by and by. When I'm a lot older, I'll give my life to the Lord. Well, you may have heard it, my friend, the old must die, but the young may die. And I want to tell you that you're just the right age to die. You're just the right age to be laid in a coffin, and you're just the right age to be laid in the earth. And my Bible tells me that it is appointed unto men and women once to die, and after this, the judgment. And I exhort you with all the love I can muster in my heart that you would flee this night to the man on the middle tree. Flee to the Lord Jesus. Come to him in repentance. Come like Mary and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I have broken your laws. But Lord, you love sinners, and therefore you love me. I'm sorry. I repent. I turn. One of the great comforts many people I have met over the years, including myself, in coming to Jesus is a wonderful verse, and I trust you'll remember it as we close. The Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. Now, dear friends, you'll not lose your soul, will you? You'll not let that happen. You'll not reject this man, will you? You'll not ignore what he's saying to you. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your precious word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will take the good seed of the word and apply it to every waiting heart. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would put your word beyond the reach of Satan and that, Lord, fruit will come. And those tonight in this meeting who are not saved, they're not Christians, and they're not right with God, I pray this night that they will not go to sleep until they know that they belong to Jesus and they know that their soul is secure in him. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.